Don't call it a comb back. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, girl? Grab my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. They took it away. Now, Ed, our, we just did a segment that was so great that Jared sitting in the studio, instead of listening to us, retweeted a tweet that says, seriously, a monkey could bartend. This is the Press Box. The last two days on our opening segments, there's two segments we have for the best of. Now, you're probably going to have to play them on a loop because there's not a lot of best stuff on the show. But we got to pay attention during these times. With Grady and Bischoff. Coming up next, we find out if monkeys can bartend. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, it's the end of the week. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. It's Ed, Tyler, and Jared. A lot to get to today. The first bite. Oh. <laughs> Will George Klyakov get UNLV into the Pac-12? I don't think you were far away. Klee is the first syllable, not Fly. But other than that, I think you got it. I'll say this. If you put that in our spelling bee, we're all failing. So I'd have no idea until I, I read his name a hundred times yesterday. I still can't spell it. Uh, yeah. The PAC 12 has a new commissioner. I, we texted, well, it's going to have, it was going to leak two minutes after our show. So that was going to happen yesterday. But uh, what'd you think? Well, the hire for the PAC 12, before we get to the UNLV side of this, the hire for the PAC 12, I actually, uh, I think it's a good hire, isn't it? I mean, you're talking about a guy, it's got a good resume. Yeah. Who granted he doesn't have like the, uh, athletic director resume he doesn't have like oh he's worked in college athletic departments for two decades or something like that but he's worked at you know the last three years was at mgm their president of sports and entertainment has experience with the aces and the wnba before that he's worked for hulu and nbc i actually like it a lot because the most important thing the next pac-12 commissioner was going to have to do is negotiate their tv rights deal that's the most important thing that commissioner is going to have to do and get get that conference back on par with the SEC and the Big Ten who are making, what, $20, $30 million more per school per year on their television deals. So that's the number one thing the Pac-12 has to do is get a media rights deal that is closer to the SEC and the Big Ten so they don't fall further and further behind. And based on his past, he looks to be somebody that's going to be capable of doing that. Now... Apparently, the worry from Pac-12 presidents or athletic directors was that, well, Larry Scott wasn't engaged with our campuses. He didn't understand the daily lives of athletic directors, so it made it harder. Like, okay, send the guy to the campuses and let him meet the athletic directors, and you guys show him what you want to show him. Like, I think that's one of the first things he said he's going to do. Sure, but that to me is is so far down the list of importance yeah. after, hey, you've got to negotiate a television deal that's going to actually bring your school's comparable money to the SEC and Big Ten. Yeah, Um I kind of liken it to, okay, so what's happening in my business as a, as a newspaper person is like, you know, it, the web, you know, is taking over and, you know, it's more of a uh, getting stuff to the web now uh, than print. And it's just a evolution of what's happening to the business. It's the same, like you said, here in college administration. Um, it's all about TV. Now, I do think, and he's obviously got great experience with TV and, 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 and sports and entertainment. So... I'm fine with the hire. I don't. I knew who he was just because we've written about him before. I didn't know much about him in terms of his resume. His resume was a lot more. Uh, they had a lot of depth to it that I had no idea until I started reading about him. Um, I think he's in for a challenge, though, 
if his football teams don't get better. Well, and that's yeah. Uh, I, mean, and that's, I mean, so SEC, we know why they make the most money, Big Ten. So I, I don't mind. You know, I think it's good to have them in place. But you know, when you go to the TV networks, they're going to say. How are your football right. teams? And, and that's the problem for any commissioner is they don't like we talk about. It in the he Mountain can't control West. that. We talk about in the Mountain West and it's right. like, oh, Craig Thompson and they don't get enough teams in the Mountain West. Well, in the NCAA tournament, like, well, Craig Thompson isn't out here recruiting or hiring no. coaches for these. That's, not his, that's like, not his issue. It's not his fault that the teams no. suck. No. So that is like that is a problem that any commissioner that's taking over the Pac-12 was going to run into. That yeah. They simply they don't have not the very good at football right now. Programs, no. right? Like they don't have. It's Clemson not SC anymore. Yeah. yeah. They don't have an Ohio State even or even right. the Big 12 in Oklahoma. Like right. They just they don't have it. So. That like that's a problem he's going to have to overcome, and that's why when you look at the TV deal, like they're they're not going to get as much as the SEC and the Big Ten, no. but the gap is I think twenty million, maybe even thirty million between Pac-12 schools and SEC and Big Ten schools. You got to narrow that to where it's okay. It's only a ten million dollar mm-hmm. gap or something like that. Like yeah. that's going to be the key. Now, right. One of the fun narratives I saw yesterday, and it happened fast. I had not gotten home. I don't know about you. I had not gotten home. Uh, until before I got two tweets on this exact question, and it was fine. Like I, I, I got the tweets; they're very nice people. But the tweet, you knew the tweets were coming. So George Kliakov hired away from MGM here in Las Vegas to become the next commissioner of the Pac-12, and the narrative coming from UNLV fans was that this was a good thing for UNLV because he would help UNLV get into the Pac-12. Caleb Herring, former UNLV quarterback, you can hear on our airwaves during UNLV football season. He even tweeted UNLV a lock to go to the PAC 12 with a question mark at the end. I do not understand that narrative. I do not understand that train of thought, how you see George Kliakoff hired by the PAC 12 and make the leap to think you, it makes UNLV any better as an option for the PAC 12. Did he go to UNLV? No, he did not. No, he, he did went not. to Virginia. Yeah. So, I'll, I, I'll, let me get your thoughts. This is what I tweeted back to a gentleman who asked the same question. It's very nice. He goes, hey, just want your opinion. He wasn't one to like over the top. We're going to the Pac-12 or whatever. I said, okay, this is the first thing I thought of on top of my head. They are coming here with their conference football championship. They've had their basketball championship here for a very long time. They are involved in the new bowl game at Allegiant Stadium. Big time bowl game also has the SEC and I think Big Ten. Um they can come in here. I'm not going to say 100%, but I think we'll agree 95%. If they truly want a big-time athlete from here, they're taking them. You know, they're, you know he's not yeah. beating them. Uh, so when you have that kind of foothold, uh, they don't want the TV market. It's in the 40s. They don't need that. When you have that foothold, I'd ask UNLV fans, I know why you want to get in there, and you should. I mean, it's the BCS. You should want that. Tell me the hook of why they want you. Yeah, there is. They're already here. Right. I mean, I don't know what they need from you to. Why would they bring UNLV in the fold and then have to recruit against them? Yeah, I, I don't get that. So, to me, the the way that UNLV gets into the Pac-12 is if the Pac-12 expands for the sake of expanding. Like, if for whatever reason in the future there's a hey, you've got to have 16 teams, right? A, a power conference has to have 16 teams. And the Pac-12 is looking around saying, well, we don't have many great options on the West Coast. Right. Like, then, who would it then, be? UNLV? Yeah. Like, San Diego State? Right. If, I mean, those kind of schools. Uh, Fres- I, don't, I don't know right. who. Like if you're, so if, if the Pac-12 does expand and you look at the West Coast options. There's not many. UNLV is close to the top yes. of that list. Absolutely. The problem is, is I don't think any of those West Coast options add anything. They add nothing. Of benefit to the Pac-12. So 
if for whatever, if there's some weird scenario where you have to have 16 teams to be a power conference, then sure, UNLV's got a shot. Or what I think would be most likely them joining the Pac-12, which would suck for UNLV, is if USC and UCLA got picked off by like the Big 12. Big 12, yeah. Yeah. And now the Pac-10 is, or Pac-12, I guess it'd be whatever, the Pac-8 or something, they lose their three or four best teams, is like, well, crap, we got to add teams just to have an actual conference. Like, that to me is the most likely way. But as it stands, like, there would be very little benefit for the Pac-12 to add a UNLV, to honestly add any of the teams. That's the other thing. It's not just UNLV, any team in the Mountain West. Why would they? And, you know, you know what happened last time when they expanded and it was the Colorados and that you'd heard would, would Oklahoma come Texas, all these schools put out there. No mountain West schools were ever put out there. That was never a consideration. Heck. Uh, now he said, uh, uh, Klikos said he's moving his family to San Francisco. That's where they're going because people said, will you move the offices to Vegas? The Oregon president was interesting. He came out and said yesterday, well, I don't know if we're going to stay in San Francisco. We are for now, but we could think of other cities and uh, to go to, I would think Vegas again, would be at the top of that list. He has experience here. Why wouldn't he want to be here? But again, they could move their offices here, and still UNLV could not be as near as it ever has been to this conference. Right. I don't think UNLV, San Diego State, Fresno State, whoever you want to throw out in the Mountain West, is, I don't think they're even in the thought process of that conference. And by the way, again, tell me why they would be. It's nothing against I want to know what the hook is for them. We know what the hook is for these teams. Of course UNLV should want to be in the Pac-12. Why wouldn't they want to be? But I don't know. I mean, gosh, they already have as big a foothold here. They have a bigger foothold here than UNLV. They're in, they're in the biggest game here. Their conference tournaments at T-Mobile Arena. Their championship football games in Allegiant. I, I, they're here more than UNLV is right. in a sense. The Pac-12 is in Vegas without UNLV. It doesn't matter if UNLV no, exists. They're here. They're still and, here. Yeah, and it's not going to change anytime soon. No, why I, would it? I highly doubt it. Unless, unless another city builds a nicer stadium for them to put their Pac-12 right. title game in. So they're here regardless. But... What I thought was bizarre, because we, I mean, listen, UNLV fans will talk about conference expansion all the time because it's, it should be what that athletic department is striving for. I mean, hell, why wouldn't it be when Desiree Reed Francois got hired, Lynn Jessup in the press conference said that was the goal said that should be the goal to get to a power conference. So like, I understand the UNLV fans talking about what I didn't understand though, was people thinking hiring George Kliakoff helped UNLV at all. No, but we that understand I, it. I, I, you and I, like I said, I texted you like two minutes after the show because they had broken the story. The first thing we probably thought was UNLV fans will connect the in their own mind, connect the dots because he worked for MGM, that they have a better chance to get in the Pac-12. I don't think that's true at all at no, this point. No, because I, I, he doesn't have a connection to UNLV. He went like, to Virginia. He, he went to Virginia. <laughs> he he lived here for three. He worked here for yeah. three years. It's not like he. It's not like he's a guy who's been here for twenty five no. years and was a you know was donating money to UNLV no. for two decades. Like it's not like they hired that guy. They just hired a guy who happened to live here for three years. So I I don't know who what, immediately said in the Zoom, "I'm moving to San Francisco." Yeah, so I don't know why <laughs> there would be you? the connection between. Hey, they hired a guy from MGM. No, there is no connection. Surely he's going to no. help out UNLV. I just I didn't understand that yesterday. Like UNLV, I is, didn't understand it, but I wasn't surprised right. at it. UNLV is in the same situation today as they Absolutely. were two days ago when it comes to no question changing. and nothing changed. And again. I'm not, they should want to be in the Pac-12, fans should want them to be, those should have been the questions yesterday, you know, what do you think, what do you think, but I think when you start, at least to reasonable people, telling them why the reasons are that this doesn't make sense at this point, like I said, I went back and forth with people on Twitter, a couple guys, and they're like, okay, like, you know, they want to go in the Pac-12, but you start explaining to them all these reasons we're talking about, 
and it kind of clicks to where okay that makes sense it sucks i mean for, you know they want their team in the power conference fine that you should but there's just no connection at this point. And, and maybe there is, like you said, we've all, what have we always heard? They're going to a super conference. And you better make that 60 cut because if you don't make that 60 cut, you're done. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. uh, whatever the number happens to be, a 70, 60, whatever. Um, and maybe in the, you know, maybe because At of Allegiant, maybe because of the Allegiant and maybe because all the basketball tournaments are here, they do make that cut eventually. But that has nothing to do with right now. Yeah. If, Nothing. If the Pac-12 said we have to add four to teams. To be in the Super Conference or whatever. Yeah, then UNLV is in the conversation. Yeah. Absolutely. If it's four, they're probably in. Like, if mm -hmm. it's, it's, hey, we got to yeah, add Especially if four. they stay west. Sure. Right. They're, they're probably going to get in. The problem is, is there's it doesn't seem as though there'd be much benefit to the Pac-12 to adding any teams on no. the West Coast. They've got all the major programs. Like, San yeah. Diego State's the best athletic department. But even them, they, no. they don't need San Diego. I mean, the State only thing they have going for them probably is the TV market. Right. But even then, but the they have that the TV market is already there. Yes, they're already so, there. It, so it's it's very hard to imagine what any schools on Nothing. the West Coast would add to the Pac-12. Not in the Mountain West. Yeah. It, it just it doesn't really seem to make sense if you're the Pac-12 to add any of these schools. All right. Coming up next, we'll jump into the Raiders and John Gruden. Oh, he's very pleased with this quarterback who is yet to get into the playoffs. Yeah, I thought he did uh, all he could do. I thought he showed a lot of toughness, you know, obviously not converting on third down. I think his mobility uh, perhaps played into that a little bit. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Paul Gutierrez over at ESPN had a story about a little bit about John Gruden and Derek Carr. Uh, with a source stating that John Gruden is very happy with Derek Carr. Now, this is in relation to the Aaron Rodgers uh, potential trait. The fact that Green Bay could have to move on from Aaron Rodgers and that the Raiders were named as one of the potential teams that Rodgers would like to be traded to. I kind of view this the same way uh, as the Baker Mayfield report that the Cleveland Plain Dealer reported that the Browns were not interested in trading for Aaron Rodgers because they were they were happy with what Baker Mayfield had done and they thought Baker Mayfield was going to be good going into the future. Mayfield's good, Carr is good, Rodgers is great, and <laughs> like it, you might only get three years from Aaron Rodgers, but the NFL is a short term sport. And sure, Carr and Mayfield might be better four, five, six years down the road because maybe Rodgers retires, but it's a short-term sport. And even John Gruden, like, he's got the long-term contract, but four or five years from now, if they still haven't made the playoffs, he might actually get fired at some point for it. So it's a short-term sport. You should always be trying to win now. I, You can like Baker Mayfield. You can like Derek Carr. They're not Aaron. Like to me, it's the same situation. They're not Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers actually makes you a playoff and then potentially Super Bowl contender. Whereas Mayfield and Carr, you're just kind of happy to exist. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to compare these guys uh, player to player because, especially defensively, but it is short term. Brady goes somewhere else one year and they win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, now look, Tampa Bay defense. I get that with the Raiders, but it's an example of when the greatest can go to one place and create that kind of success. 
we're not surprised that I don't know who the source is, but we're not surprised if Gruden said this to someone or if he's the source or whatever, because at this point, what else would you say? I mean, first of all, nothing's happened with Rodgers till after June 1st because they're not going to eat 32 million against the guy. They're not eating that. So it's we got like two and a half more weeks to see if there's even any legs to this, right? I mean, now on June 1st, if the rumors start spreading or Twitter starts exploding that, you know, they are actually have to move him or he's not showing up, then we can like actually, you know, be concerned, not concerned, but actually be interested in it. It's not going to happen until then. So I'm absolutely convinced that whether Gruden or whoever the source was said it, and at this point, believe it, because even if June 1st comes and they get the word out, he's not coming in, give us some offers, they're certainly not going to be the only one at the table. So it's not going to be like, hey, it's just the Raiders on the line. We have to make a deal with them. Is it crazy? You might think it is, and I shudder to think what the Raider fans out there will think about this, but why is it when you just said – that Cleveland said no because they believe in Mayfield. And it's not that the Raiders don't believe in Carr, but I could almost see the Browns passing quicker than the Raiders. And I think at this point you'd say Carr's probably better than Mayfield. He's at least as good. But maybe it's because Mayfield's a lot younger? I think it's it's because, I mean, Mayfield is younger, but also they made the playoffs last year. That's true. they're looking at it as saying they made the playoffs. Baker Mayfield turned the corner. We're about to be set up for however long Baker right. Mayfield's peak is of being a good NFL team. The problem is they're not setting themselves up to win a Super Bowl. Like unless they hit some home runs on some like other players. And he gets a it. lot better. Yeah. Because that's the thing with Carr and Mayfield. Both of those quarterbacks, you're not going to win a Super Bowl because of them. Yeah, like those probably do with them. You can win with them, but you're not winning because of those two quarterbacks. You you'll win a Super Bowl because of Aaron Rodgers. Like he'll be the reason you win a Super Bowl. But with Mayfield and Carr, like they're good quarterbacks, but you're not winning a Super Bowl because of them. Like they have to have a good team around them. Like you've got to do a really good job at the rest of that with the rest of that roster to have a chance to win a Super Bowl with those quarterbacks, especially when they're off their rookie contract. Now that is the the one good thing about Mayfield is he still has this year's, I think is his fourth year on his rookie. Right, contract. He's not even past his rookie. And contract. the next year would be the fifth year option, right. which is, it Obviously. still goes up, but yeah. it's not as, it's not as expensive as a full blown extension. So that is the good thing about Mayfield for say this year and next year. But after that, if you're going to keep Mayfield, you're going to have to. He's probably going to get thirty plus million dollars a year. Like oh, that's yeah. just what starting yeah. quarterbacks get now. Even if you're the tenth, eleventh mm-hmm. best, so like that's in two years from now, Mayfield. They're not going to be much of a benefit to have Mayfield over Rodgers or anybody, to be honest. Bill Barnwell in the uh, Gutierrez story, I guess, ranked seven of his own trade proposals, and this is going back to what I said. Las Vegas was just six, so a lot of people is going to are going to line up for this guy if word gets out on June first, he's actually available. He had the Raiders sending Carr, first and second round picks in 2022 draft, a 2023 first rounder uh, for Rodgers. Packers get back and forth, and they might even want someone, you know, the young player like Max Crosby. If that's the deal, I do it. Oh, no doubt if you're the Raiders. I, that's two firsts. That's a no-brainer. A second, and Max Crosby. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. No, you do it in, right away. Yeah. It's not even close. Um, the problem is, is that the Raiders don't have much to offer. Because like the, the trade proposals that Bill Barnwell put out there, his number one was the Broncos, which included Patrick Sertain, the guy they just drafted in the top 10, and uh, Tim Patrick, who is the wide receiver that's kind of come out of nowhere to be a good wide and receiver. Picks. Yeah, and, and picks, yeah. obviously, too. We're in there as well. The, the Raiders only have picks. Like, Derek yeah. Carr isn't, I mean, 
He's in the deal. Maybe the Packers are like, okay, we'll use him because Jordan Love isn't ready. Right. But he's not really. They're not making that trade. Oh, we got Derek Carr. No. It's okay. We'll take him because we need a quarterback because Jordan Love's not ready. But then after that, you're talking about which players would you put in there? Like Darren Waller has trade value. I don't even know that Max Crosby has that much trade value, to be honest. Like you, you might. I don't think you'll laugh, but give the benefit of the doubt on one season. What about Henry Ruggs? <sighs> he he has some Throw just because. I mean, because he's. He played, he, was one season, he played yeah, one season, yeah, and I'm and he's sure, fast. And I'm sure most teams that were looking at the that were scouting well, wide the draft last, last year, year had him high, right? He was still, even though he wasn't number one, he was still in that top right. tier. Most so, yeah, he probably still has some, but like, if they traded him straight up right now, are they getting more than a third for Henry Ruggs? No, not after last year. So, I mean, he has, he probably has some, no doubt about it, but it's nothing that's really changing. They're, they're not making the deal and saying, oh, thank God well, we got Henry Ruggs. In the back of their minds, they're saying, we better take Ruggs because Devontae Adams going to the Raiders next year. <laughs> <laughs> because Rodgers will be there. And Devontae Adams has already said, that's my guy. They asked Aaron Jones yesterday. All these, like, all these, like, top Packers are like, it's like, if you're the Packers, like, boy, if we lose this guy, we're losing a lot of people because yes. they want this guy to stay. Well, the Packers, I mean, they... They were like, we're going to try to keep the roster entirely together. That, that was their offseason game plan, and it was kind of stupid, especially what they did with running back because they drafted Aaron Jones' replacement, and they were going right. to let Aaron Jones walk, and then they decided, well, we better bring him back and give yeah. him another. That was stupid. But like they basically said, well, we went 13-3 and last year. Let's try to bring everybody back and do it again. Like They were what? And they have the MVP. They were a drive or two away from beating Tampa Bay and going to the Super Bowl, yeah. and maybe they're the ones that won the championship instead. So... I, it's not a horrific plan for them to say, hey, let's try to bring everything back. But yeah, if Aaron Rodgers goes, eh, all right, you lose Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones might not want to play there, even though he just signed a big contract. Could the Raiders throw in Cody Glass? Mm. Mm. Maybe no. Mark Andre Fleury. Isn't the Glasser about to win a championship down in Henderson? Yeah, he might. They're, for, they're the number one seed. I assume he's coming up. He's got to be coming up, right? <laughs> I don't know. The Silver Knights guys, man. Why are you taking him up? We're the number one seed. We've got to win the championship. they got to call him up. You can't leave Cody Glass down there. I don't know. How does Wisconsin not have a hockey team? Wow. I, yeah. No, you're 100% right. The state of Wisconsin doesn't have an NHL oh, team. You know, oh, okay. You weren't talking about the college. They're no, because okay. he just said throw Cody Glass in there, and I was going to be like, all right, let's work out a two or four-team trade. Okay. NHL for NHL, NFL for NFL. <laughs> But they don't have a hot. How the hell do they not no, have a hot? I know team? that's one state you'd expect to have. Like Green some. Bay shouldn't, because that city's tiny. But right. like uh, Milwaukee doesn't right. have a hockey team, really? No. Yeah, they that's, have some players. I feel like I don't know why. Why Minnesota and not Milwaukee? I Seems weird that they wouldn't have a hockey I team. I mean, it is weird that both Minnesota and Wisconsin have basketball teams. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so they should both have hockey, shouldn't they? Absolutely. Uh, what, how many are in Florida? You, I mean, you wouldn't even have to... I mean, you'd sign everyone from the Badgers when they graduate. That would be your team. Along with the women's team who won like nine national championships in a row. They're an incredible hockey team. I think there's a draft, Ed. you got you got to draft well, most of these kids. I, well, you could do it like the like the Reed Duke and the Kraken kid the other day. Sign one, the first guy. Yeah, it's important. Sign some kid that'll never play for your franchise, but call him the the first the, player the, in yeah, team the history. First, the first it's sign. great. All right, coming up next, Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus joins the show. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. That organization, they'll have to, like, just practice different things, you know, in, in, in different ways. Um, like, one of the things we didn't do much of when I was there, we didn't practice two-minute, really. We didn't practice red zone. 
You know, what? so it's the most yeah. important thing. What? what? <laughs> That's what you have a whole a whole day devoted for two minutes yeah. in red zone. That's Thursday right. practice. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Austin Gale. Uh, Austin, could you tell last year that the Panthers didn't practice red zone or two-minute drills? Uh, probably. I mean, you look, I think they had the record amount of games lost within one possession, within one possession of winning. I know that's a big stat that they've looked at a ton in the offseason, talking to some people close to the organization. So I do think that that was a concern for them. And I'll tell you right now, when you lose a lot of one-score games, that comes up in the red zone. That comes up in the two-minute drill. So I guess I'm not too surprised that they weren't practicing that at all because I think in those moments they really struggled. And to be fair, some of that blame is on Teddy Bridgewater, but how prepared was he? I do think that the Carolina Panthers have some opportunities to improve there. And you look at what Joe Brady did in, at LSU, they didn't have to get in the red zone a ton, and they weren't in the two-minute drill against, with the backs against the wall a ton. So I do think that you know maybe some of that's connected. But I do think Joe Brady, like everyone, first time you do anything, there's opportunities to improve. I'm sure he's practicing red zone two-minute drill this year. <laughs> Were you? I mean, when you hear that, and we were saying yesterday, I mean, the media, we can't watch practice anymore, so we're in masks and, and rooms. Uh, but when he said they didn't do it all on a Friday or a Saturday, how common do you think that is? I mean, he said that he, he had been places where they did it all day Friday, which I thought it was a little too much in terms of red zone or two-minute drills. But they Rule had coached in the league before. We know, we know about Brady. That was just a, like a really startling statement that he said that. Yeah, I mean, it can't be too uncommon. I, I can't imagine they were the only team that doesn't practice it frequently or doesn't practice at all, or else it probably would have had more red flags that would have came up a little bit more than just now coming from Teddy Bridgewater. I think there would have been more reports of it potentially coming down the pipe. However, maybe it is more uncommon. I'm not super aware from what I've heard. It's usually you know, there is usually a designated period of practice or multiple practices to those high key areas. I mean, those are the most important areas. And I do think that you know, the players he was interviewing with and the people he was interviewing with, like they, their reactions are very true. It's like, that, those are the most important places. What are we doing? So I do think that it's probably more uncommon than it isn't, but I don't know how uncommon it is. Austin, do you care about the schedule release? I do, actually. So, so a lot of people ask me, like, oh, we already knew who the teams are playing. What's this matter? I do think that it helps a lot when you're doing season-long projections, specifically for fantasy, looking at you know, when teams play cold-weather teams. You know, when, when a receiver plays Chicago, matters. Does he play them in December or does he play them in, you know, early in the season? That, you know, the snow is going to affect their season-long projections and those types of things. Also, you need to look at travel. You know, which teams are traveling the most this season, which teams are traveling the most in the three-week you know, three span, four-week span down the stretch. And then also the other thing is which team sees the most benefit from rest. Which team, you know, which team is going to play four teams on a bye or three teams coming off a bye and those types of things. So I think there's a lot of opportunities. If you're an avid better, an avid projector like we are here at PFF, I think there's a lot of opportunities to gain some insights that maybe people are overlooking when the schedule is released. Jared believes the Raiders will be 0-0-17 with 17 ties. Would that be? Would that skew your numbers there at Pro Football Focus? That would. I think that would skew everyone's numbers. That would skew everyone's wildest dreams as well. Uh, what, if any, and you know, I'm sure you guys obviously rated him before. Any guess as to if he actually makes the team, how good or bad Tim Tebow could be? Not good. I do not think he's going to be a high-impact player. I think DraftKings right now has his receiving yardage prop for the entire season at 12 and a half yards. It's not going to be used a ton. I don't think. I don't think a lot of this. If he is brought in, so Urban Meyer was on the podcast with Chris Collinsworth here at PFF and said we have not signed Tim Tebow. I have not made that decision. He wasn't even at the workout that sparked all these rumors. So I don't know if he will actually eventually 
join Jacksonville, but I will say a lot of this, in my opinion, the best and somehow the worst reason at the same time is for Tim Tebow to pull some media attention away from Trevor Lawrence, a guy that's been under a magnifying glass with a spotlight since he was eighth, in eighth grade. Like, that's, that's exactly what Trevor Lawrence has been. So I do think if you bring in Tebow, it brings some of the media attention away from your big star quarterback. And I think, is that a dumb reason? Yes. Should that matter? No. But I do think that's the only reason that makes sense because he's not a good football player. He wasn't when he was obviously in the NFL. He's seven years removed from the game, 33 years old. There are better players that went undrafted in this year's class to play tight end than there are Tim Tebow. The only reason you're bringing Tebow in is because of the media that comes with it and maybe some of the competitive fire. But, like, how many veterans are going to listen to a 33-year-old Tebow in the locker room that plays four-string tight end? Austin, you know they're going to get inside the five-yard line of week one. Trevor Lawrence is running to the sideline while Tebow comes in for a package. I would absolutely lose my mind. That would, that, that would be objectively like 10 times worse than when they do that when the Saints with Drew Brees and Taysom Hill. Like at least Taysom Hill is like somewhat capable. Tim Tebow coming in and doing that. Can you imagine if he threw a pick? Like the entire Ugh. internet would burn that. I mean, it would just be insane. I mean, he'd be throwing? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I thought he, I thought he was just like like in college. He was they just ran that package where he just kind of bowled over people. Obviously, the in the NFL, would be harder to the do. Oh, that said, jump pass! That's that right. jump See, pass! Everybody's like you thinking uh, he's not going to throw. I, I had no idea he would even throw. Why then keep Lawrence in? Um, you you're you know June first. Maybe Aaron Rodgers goes or he doesn't. Uh, we haven't talked to you since the Browns reportedly said uh, we're not interested. We're good with Mayfield. He will take us to where we need to go. We were talking about Carr earlier in the packages you'd have to give up for Rodgers. But talk about Mayfield and and let's say those reports are true and they're like now nah, we'll pass. Is the sense that he could be that good? What what did you feel when they said that? So I do think that Mayfield, you know, this past season with Kevin Stefanski was his best season. And I think they put him in a very good position to succeed with that play-action heavy offense, a very good offensive line, and a talented receiving core. And they're getting Odell Beckham Jr. back soon. I know there's some speculation that OBJ makes this offense worse because they had so much success faster. I do think that in this offense with more time, OBJ is going to be a value add for the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield. I think they're slow playing that, though. That was one season in a very good situation that Baker Mayfield had success. Can he sustain that, if not improve on that, as he progresses into year two and year three with Kevin Stefanski? A lot of people would say yes. I mean, obviously things get easier as you get more, you know, acclimated to an offense. So I do think that you're seeing that with Baker Mayfield. You're seeing that with Josh Allen. And you're seeing that with Lamar Jackson. Can those quarterbacks from the 2018 class improve when these situations become ideal? It happened early for Lamar Jackson when John Harbaugh completely flipped the offense on his head, hired Greg Roman, and catered it to Lamar Jackson's strength. It happened late with Baker Mayfield, obviously with Stefanski, and late-ish with Josh Allen and Brian Dable. When you put an offensive coordinator that knows how to play to a quarterback's strengths and you surround him with talent along the offensive line and in the weaponry, you can see how good he could be. It's literally the exact opposite of what the New York Jets did with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, they set set fire to that roster, hired arguably one of the worst coaches in the NFL, and watched him burn for three years. And now people are like, is he good? Who knows? I think the other teams have done a better job of that, and now they have a clearer picture of how good those three quarterbacks are. Uh, Thanks to an injury, thanks to Justin Herbert being good, and thanks to just having a recent draft with a lot of quarterbacks taken in the first round, have we forgotten about Joe Burrow? I don't think we've forgotten about Joe Burrow. I do think Joe Burrow is going to have a really good second season. I think there's a lot of speculation. Is, is this offensive line good? I have some confidence in Riley Reef. I have confidence in Jonah Williams. I think the interior is where there are concerns, but I do like to pick up a Jackson Carmen out of Clemson, a guy that I think in the future could play tackle, but immediately step in at guard. I do think that this offensive line will be better. 
Joe Burrow will be a better. And then you factor in adding Jamar Chase and replacing him for what was a battered low light of an off, uh, offensive skill player in A.J. Green. So I think Jamar Chase, you know, people, the biggest problem with Joe Burrow's rookie season was not the pressure, was not how he handled pressure or any of those things. It was his deep accuracy. He was literally the most accurate quarterback on deep throws of any quarterback we've seen in college football in 2019. And then last year, he was one of the worst in the NFL. A lot of that is chemistry with your receivers and obviously an offensive line to allow for longer developing plays. Jamar Chase and him have the best chemistry we've ever seen. They literally broke records in the SEC in 2019 at 19 years old. Jamar Chase, 19 years old. Now you add Jamar Chase here, a better offensive line, Tyler Boyd in the year two, I think, or not Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins in the year two. Like this offense should be improved. The only concern I have with the Bengals, the reason for pessimism with the Bengals isn't the offensive line, isn't Joe Burrow, it's Zach Taylor. Because everything he's done up to this point has been, you know, less than favorable, if not forgettable. And I think that's where I think the bigger concerns are. So if we're looking at young quarterbacks, like where would you put Burrow compared to this rookie class? Who's he better than? Who would you rather have? I think Trevor Lawrence is the only quarterback I'd have ahead of Joe Burrow. I do think that this year's class, I think Joe Burrow would have been my number two quarterback ahead of Zach Wilson and ahead of Justin Fields and obviously ahead of Mac Jones with Trey Lance. I think that's how good he was. That's where we had him. We had him as the number one overall quarterback in 2020. Uh, we're very excited because Tom Brady Sr. is salivating over the four, week four game at New England, which was a little weird because he's now on podcast talking about games. I don't know what happened there. Uh, the Bucks brought everyone back. Brady's tweeting about the game as well. Do you see, what, what downfall do you see of these guys uh, as he continues on with, with the Buccaneers, given they brought most people back? Can they be the same team like from the jump? Yeah, it's tough to think of reasons for pessimism with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Returning all 22 starters, returning a ton of depth as well, maintaining Tom Brady, Tom Brady Sr. salivating, all that yes. working into their favor. I think the Bucs are in a very prime position to return to the Super Bowl because the NFC also isn't that good. Like the NFC, there, there's not, you know, with Aaron Rodgers potentially leading the Green Bay Packers, like this is an NFC conference that they, they could potentially roll. And I think they're a, good, they're a good favorite to be in the Super Bowl, being the Super Bowl representatives for the NFC and for good reason. I think Tampa Bay, what, what could ha- what could go wrong? I wouldn't even say it's injuries to certain skill groups because they have so much depth. I think it's honestly injuries to Brady. Like if Brady, you start to see age finally hit, that's where you start to see the concern. However, he has shown no signs of that happening anytime soon. And if anything, he's going to improve if healthy in this year two of the offense with Bruce Arians. He's going to be healthier? Are we talking he's going to be like 51 at some point? We're like, ah, he's in the best shape of his life at 51. Coming back for another run. I still think Tom Brady Sr. might be able to see some up. I don't know. We'll see. He's very fired up. (laughs) Well, he is Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. Austin, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Austin. Of Of course. Thank you. Did you think, I mean, he's talked in the past. I mean, when people see him at Super Bowls, he gets interviewed, obviously, because he's the dad. But now you got Brady Senior out on podcast talking about salvage. When I saw the schedule and we're at New England in week four, it's like, okay, pops. I'm not going to lie. I was <laughs> unaware Tom Brady was junior. Uh, I, I, I'd only known it because I'd read it before. I, you know, I mean, because oh. he had his dad on Super Bowls and always said Tom Brady Senior on the, on the uh, TV. I always thought it was like a, he's Tom Brady, Thomas Brady the second okay. more than junior. I just saw Tom Brady Sr. in a headline and thought, did Tom Brady name his kid after himself? I thought it was talking about Tom Brady himself was salivating. Is there a Tom Brady the third we're going to have to watch out for? <laughs> oh, he's got two sons, so I'm sure I'm sure one of them probably both be quarterbacks. What happens first? Does Bronny play against LeBron or does Tom Brady play oh, against Tom Brady? LeBronny, he's closer in age. Bronny and closer in age. No, no. The correct answer is Frank Gore plays against his son.
You know who yeah, could actually, be old you know. enough. You know who could be old enough. Little Wit. Oh Jesus. He could be old enough. I mean, you know, he, mm. you know, eventually, eventually. Um, it's We're, like Big Wit, Wit just <laughs> played and was awful. Ed, he came out of retirement, was bad. I think Big Wit's got to be coaching his kid, right? He's got to be coaching. Right, I thought that's his. what he was doing, right? Oh, yeah, I'm sure he he's coaching his his kid. Um, I mean, this, you, you become the high school head coach somewhere. You put your kid in that well, school no matter what, like, right? Ten years ago, Philip Rivers said, "I'm retiring this year, and I'm going to coach my kid." Like he announced it. Like okay, um, shortly. This was weird. It says shortly after his father's surprise radio appearance, Brady <laughs> tweeted about the game. I didn't get this, and I guess you can explain. I still don't get this. He's it's Brady in a Buccaneers uh, uniform, looking at the Gillette Stadium scoreboard with all the championships he won there. It's like when your high school friends meet your college friends. Yeah. Did you not have high school well, friends in college? Friends? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, did they ever meet each other? It's kind of yeah, awkward. Yeah, but it, why did he do friends? it right after the dad? What did the dad say? Because they they make it seem like right when the dad was done the interview, he did that, like, on well, given I on think, what this dad said. I think said. it's just Tom Brady saying, these were my old friends. I had a lot of fun time with them, but now <sighs> I have new friends, and now they got to <sighs> meet each other. And then it's it, just awkward because you're the link between the two of them, but they don't like each other. That's way too simplistic. Do we, we want to interpret your I, dreams I, I, again? Yes. Did you uh, no, dream? No, 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 no. I had one last night. No. When we come back, no. When we come back, we will interpret no. Ed Grady's no. dreams. No. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Ed, have you had any dreams about Bill Foley or Major League no, Soccer? No, I had some last night. I'm not, I'm not talking to you guys about it. Right <laughs> you did have some? Yeah. No, not, no, no. Someone, someone local, though, but I'm not talking to you about it. So go on. Move on. How do we get this no, out of no, here? No, uh, no, no, we're no, not moving no. on. Right, this I'm, would, I mean, this I would be, to let it go this would be far, air. this would be far too easy to interpret. So it doesn't matter. Like right away, you oh. know what I'm talking about. And I'm not putting the person's name out. So, okay. oh, okay. All right. Okay. No. But not Bill Foley. No. And not about Major League no, Soccer. No, 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 okay. no. Okay. No. Yeah, I think Foley. you're the only one who dreams about Major League Soccer. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, you know, no. it is what it is. You and Probably every mayor in the town or in the <laughs> metropolitan area. Well, Carolyn Goodman still doesn't know that it's MLS. She calls she still calls it MSL. She doesn't know that it's Major League Soccer. She thinks it's Major Soccer League or something like okay. that. Yeah, still haven't gotten that down. For some reason, that's like a common slip up among people. They say MSL, MSL over instead MLS. of MLS. Okay. I don't know why. But Bill Foley, talking to the Review Journal, um, he said that just because a baseball team might move here in regards to the Oakland A's rumors to Las Vegas, that he was st- would still be interested in bringing Major League Soccer. Foley's quote was, MLS has a different fan base. MLS would be very successful here. I mean, we've been playing with it for a long time, trying to figure it out, trying to understand where an arena could be built and be convenient. We're working on that, and we have a number of interested partners who own European soccer teams that would like to partner with us on an MLS team. Here's my question on the European partners. If somebody owns a European soccer team, why would they need Bill Foley it's, to help them own a major league soccer? It's team? the PAC 12 question. Why would they want UNLV? Right. Well, what's, what's the point of that? Um, 
I don't know. I just hope it's not Man City till we win that cup and I, I, I get the sandwich. I, and after that, Man City can do whatever it's one. I, I don't know why. I this is going to impact your bets. Yes, I don't know why they would need Bill Foley uh, to have a team here, and I don't even know if I believe that people, the European soccer powers want it, or even European soccer teams, never mind powers, want a team here. Um, it's interesting. Let me ask you this, because Foley, I read all his comments today. One thing I think he was completely mistaken on, because it's such apples and oranges. He, We might have talked about this yesterday, where Foley said baseball would be successful here because of the fan base, and so many people, out-of-towners and tourists, would travel here. That Did he say that? Yes, that about is baseball? not... Yes, about baseball. So that is not in any way true, because... For the and he, he compared it to the Raiders. Yes, a ton of people are coming here from out of town for the Raiders. It's also eight games. There'll be people from LA for sure, people from the Bay Area for sure, probably Arizona. They have they have fans everywhere. You talked about that yesterday. Great fan base. That's not happening with baseball. Baseball is a local sport. If you can't get the locals, you're you're not getting anyone in there. But I do think, and again, might be apples and oranges because the amount of games and the size of these stadiums. I think MLS would be supported here more than baseball. Like, I think over the long haul, well, and it, it's hard to compare. I get that. Yeah. I just think fan base, I I just think it's going to be really hard over 82 to get it consistent. I saw a number the other day. Let me ask you this. I saw a number the other day that said the baseball team in Vegas to have any kind of solvency would have to average twelve to 15,000. They should be able to get twelve to fifteen. Okay. I think they can get that. Okay. I, mean, I mean, in corporate sponsor, like corporate seats alone, I think that. <laughs> You could get that. Okay. Is it really that low? I figured that's what the higher. number was. Wow. But I was, you know, was, again, I love reading those things about the economists who say, "Don't do this, don't do this with public money," <laughs> and that's the number they put out there. Now that was the low end. Um, I, I'm not going to say Major League Soccer wouldn't succeed. Like I've always thought, that is, for lack of a better term, niche fan base soccer fans. Uh, that would support that team, and maybe baseball would as all as as well. I'm more interested. I think you'd have to prove it to me with baseball. That it could go 82 games a year. Obviously, it would be a dome stadium. You'd have to do that here. Uh, with the other things going on in this town, that it would be completely fully supported. I uh, don't, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it, maybe they have 25,000. I don't know. It was, it's a lot of home games, especially if the team wasn't good. I I would just say that if it was an expansion team, I think you'd get that number a hell of a lot easier than you would if it's we're bringing the Oakland A's in. Oh, it's if they're good. I mean, you're, okay. yes, like an expansion team, people like that better. But as far as attendance goes, if 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 the A's came here and they're winning the AL West in September, people are people are going to watch them. Like regardless, I I think the the interesting part about baseball is I think the first year probably first okay. Two well, years, the first year just because it's a new venue, right? And yeah. We, we, yeah, it would be the same thing we saw with the Golden Knights yeah. and the same thing I'm almost we're going to see with the Legion. Legion. Yes. A ton of away fans yes. are going to travel. I think after the first two years, I think there's going to be staying power with the NFL. Away fans always are, is. are going to travel sure. because there's there's six well seventeen games a year. Yeah. So, but in baseball, I don't know that it would have the staying power of hey, let's go to Vegas because my because the Orioles are finally playing right. in Vegas. Let's let's make it a trip out of it. I don't know that baseball would have that staying power. You went with the well, Orioles. I was picking the worst team you could okay. imagine. Right. Like I don't think it's baseball would have well, that staying do power. Do you agree that football does. MLS would have a chance? I think it would. I do too. I don't know that it would be more successful than baseball. I don't know. I, 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 different fan bases. Right. It would I think a lot of it would depend on like where the stadium is and obviously how good the teams are. Like if you got a major league soccer team here and they struggled as much as lights FC have struggled in their first four years, 
I don't think that's that's doing very well. Like, I don't think you're having a very robust fan base. But if you get a Major League Soccer team here, and listen, in soccer, it's way easier for an expansion team to be good right away because you can buy players. What's the average attendance in, in MLS? Uh, it's pre- I, I, Off the top of my head, I think it's low 20s. Ah. I want to say the lowest is usually like Colorado has like... The low 20s, though? 13, 14. They're oh. the low end. There's a few teams that skew it, like Seattle and Atlanta play in there. Atlanta's NFL like stadiums, don't Atlanta's throw out numbers that are and they as get astronomical. Over 40, yeah. But I think if you did like median, median might be a better way in to the 20s? do it. I think you're talking twenty to twenty five thousand or so would be okay. the median. Twenty five thousand so, here, I think would be good. If they could get I I think that would sort of be the max if they could get twenty five. I think if if you brought Vegas if you brought MLS to Vegas, I don't think you're as low as Colorado, where it's like thirteen or fourteen thousand. Right. But I think you're not really getting on the high end either. I think you'd be somewhere in the middle, which would be fine. I mean, if you're average yeah. attendance, that's fine. And if you win, hey, people are showing up to watch the MLS team.